Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for We've got to keep the perspective that many Israelites over many, many years had been suffering under Ahab's curse, his sin curse of Baal worship, and quite frankly, people were tired of it. The nation was in ruins. They, the leadership ran it into the ground, and now Jehu was somebody who was finally given charge by God to do something about it. And so guys like Jehonadab, they actually looked forward to the blessing of the Lord coming to return back to the land again. This is not just about going and killing everybody that disagrees with you. we got to think better than that. This is about God restoring order, people repenting and turning back to him so that God can bless the nation again. And so Jehu invited Jehonadab to come watch his zeal for the Lord. Zeal means focus. It's your drive. It's what you're wanting to do. He said, come see my zeal for the Lord, as Jehu killed off more of Ahab's line in Samaria, 2 Kings 10, 18. Then Jehu gathered all the people together and said to them, Ahab served Baal a little, Jehu will serve him much. Now therefore call to me all the prophets of Baal, all his servants and all his priests, let no one be missing, for I have a great sacrifice for Baal. Whoever is missing shall not live. But Jehu acted deceptively with the intent of destroying the worshipers of Baal. And Jehu said, Proclaim a solemn assembly for Baal. So they proclaimed it. Then Jehu sent throughout all Israel, and all the worshipers of Baal came, so that there was not a man left who did not come. So they came into the temple of Baal, and the temple of Baal was full from one end to the other. And he said to the one in charge of the wardrobe, Bring out vestments for all the worshipers of Baal. So he brought out vestments for them. Then Jehu and Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, went into the temple of Baal and said to the worshipers of Baal, Search and see that no servants of the Lord are here with you, but only the worshipers of Baal. Wow, look at this. So, okay, Jehu, he called up a big Baal worship party. It's, it's going to be the biggest Baal party you ever saw. Everybody come. Everybody better be there. So everybody shows up. Hey, we're going to worship our God Baal. This is the biggest party. It's going to be huge. This is a big deal. So they proclaimed this huge thing. And they were going to hold this party in the temple that Ahab had built. For Baal. Now, I want to show you about this when he built this, when Ahab built that temple in 1 Kings 16.32. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger 
than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Okay, this is written. It's in God's word, friends. This is God's word says this. Don't get mad at me. It's in the Bible, okay? It made God mad. Setting this all up for Baal and not the Lord God. In God's own nation of Israel, among God's own called people, that infuriated God because it was built by a king. Ahab did this. It was built, this temple was built by a king, by a man who was appointed to rule over God's people, Israel. And by building that temple, what he had done, he had instituted an official false religion that caused God's own covenant people to turn their backs on him. They turned away, and Ahab caused all of this. Have you ever had a situation, say, in your family or your workplace or whatever, where you gave somebody a leadership role to do, but as soon as they got into that position, they took the authority and the resources that you gave them to benefit the company, okay, to do good things in the workplace or with your family, however it worked out, whatever the situation was. But they took all of this, and they turned everybody against you, and now you're the bad guy. You're the one that gave them that position, that authority, and the resources to do some good, and they used it to smack you upside your face, to slap you with it, and now everybody hates you. That's exactly what Ahab did to God. He took the authority and the leadership that God gave him as Israel's king. He built this temple and caused Israel to turn away, and then he established Baal worship as national policy. And so Jehu invited every Baal worship into this very temple that Ahab had built. This temple was an eyesore in God's sight. 2 Kings 10.24 So they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings. Now Jehu had appointed for himself 80 men on the outside and had said, If any of the men whom I have brought into your hands escapes, whoever lets him escape, it shall be his life. For the life of the other. Now it happened, as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, that Jehu said to the guard and to the captains, Go in and kill them. Let no one come out. And they killed them with the edge of the sword. Then the guards and the officers threw them out and went into the inner room of the temple of Baal. And they brought the sacred pillars out of the temple of Baal and burned them. Then they broke down the sacred pillar of Baal and tore down the temple of Baal and made it a refuse dump to this day. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal from Israel. Finally, we've been waiting years reading in the Bible to get to this point. Jehu destroyed Baal from Israel. Here we are. We got here. It's about time. Now, apparently all these people, they hadn't heard of Jehu's recent work of the Lord going around killing everybody of Ahab's line. So they just came into the temple, baited in by a grand worship ceremony. And so Baal's temple, with all of them just coming in there, Baal's temple just became a kill box. Now, after they killed everybody, they destroyed the sacred pillars to dishonor Baal worship. And it says the sacred pillar of Baal. That was probably a stone that was cut into the image of what they thought Baal looked like. And so they destroyed Baal's statue because they didn't want anybody trying to continue with it anymore. This is done. This is over with. God wants it out of here. Today was trash day, and the trash just got burned. They burned it down, and they destroyed it. 
And so in verse 28 is the long-awaited announcement that we have been waiting through many chapters of chaos for. It says, Jehu destroyed Baal from Israel. It's about time. Now, I want to give you a wide scope here. Elijah, he had been sent a long time ago to call the people of Israel to repent of Baal worship, and they adamantly refused to turn back to the Lord. They just wouldn't do it. And so finally, after many, many years, the Lord God's patience with them, he gave them a lot of time, many kings and many years. The Lord finally enacted Jehu as an instrument of judgment. Bottom line, folks, God gave these people more than enough time to repent. And since they just would not do it, God had to condemn it by brutal force. And so this is where we clap and say, yay, it's finally done. Baal worship is gone. But now I have to break your heart with what's next. It saddens me to read this. 2 Kings 10, 29. However, Jehu did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebet, who had made Israel sin, that is, from the golden calves that were at Bethel and Dan. And the Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in doing what is right in my sight, and have done to the house of Ahab all that was in my heart, your sons shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart, for he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, who had made Israel sin. Oh gosh, guys, this just kills me. To finally get rid of the Baal worship, he did everything God told him to do. Yeah, he went a little overboard with it, but he did get it out of the Baal worship out of there, only for Jehu to end up replacing it with the same stupid golden calves that Israel got in trouble for back in Exodus. Oh man, uh, just give me a second here. I got to breathe. <laughs> after all this time, after all the trouble that all this had brought Israel, the Baal worship, after all the progress that he had made, only to end up with golden calves again? How in the world? I, I'm just, I'm beside myself. How can I figure this out? How do you rationalize this? I mean, why? All I can say is that mankind, all of us, friends, not just Jehu, you and me, all of us, we are awfully sinful. And in this sin, there are a lot of times when idolatry sneak back into our lives and carry us away. It's just a sad part of our sin nature. So I want you to look at what the Lord does about it now. 2 Kings 10.32 In those days, the Lord began to cut off parts of Israel and Hazael, conquered them in all the territory of Israel from the Jordan eastward. All the land of Gilead, Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh from Aror, which is by the river Arnon, including Gilead and Bashan. Now the rest of the acts of Jehu, all that he did and all his might, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehu rested with his fathers, and they buried him in Samaria. Then Jehoiaz his son reigned in his place. And the period that Jehu reigned over Israel and Samaria was 28 years. Okay, so because these golden calves again, the Lord had to enact discipline on Israel yet again. I mean, every time your kids get in trouble, you got to do something about it, right? You got to give them a spanking somewhat. And the means by which the Lord disciplined them 
was through being conquered, Israel being conquered by their enemies. They lost a lot of territory because of it. And you know, that must have caused a lot of national unrest, which means Jehu turned out to not be a very good ruler. He was good at taking out Ahab's line, but his leadership didn't didn't work out too great. Oh, but he was king and he took out a lot of bad guys. He did. But when he compromised to sin, it cost him very, very big. Friend, I need you to hear this. You can start out well. You can start out doing the big things God called you to do, but you let idolatry sneak back into your life again, doing things you shouldn't be doing that God never told you to do. And as a matter of fact, what God told you not to do, it'll cost you big time. Now, remember in verse 11, we read how Jehu also killed Ahab's officials and acquaintances when he went overboard with all his slayings. Now, a lot of those officials, they were seasoned leaders that Jehu could have used. He could have put them, he could have employed them. He could have put them in leadership positions, which would have helped him become a much better leader than what he turned out to be. But sin got in the mix, friends. You see this, and it stole away a lot of the potential opportunities that Jehu could have had. A lot of you may be wondering where your full victory is. Well, I gave my life to the Lord, and I've dedicated my life to him. I've been doing what the Lord tells me to do. Where's the big victory that I feel like I should be having? Well, friend, maybe you let a little bit of sin get in there somewhere. Jehu was so overbearingly ruthless that I'm sure even a lot of his allies were suspicious of doing any business with him. Jehu went way too far. He got way so overzealous to where it actually became sin in his life, and that sin cost him a lot. Now, it says Jehu reigned for 28 years, and typically it was wicked kings that had really, really short reigns. But in Jehu's case, he reigned a long time because the Lord had to use him to humble Israel down for a long time. Baal worship is out of there. Jehu's reign had to last a long time to bring Israel back down. Slow it down, guys. Let's get back in line with the Lord God. And so the Lord also reduced Israel's size through the takeovers that came in. They lost a lot of territory. And a lot of that happened through Jehu's reign because of his leadership style, which could have been better, but it was a judgmental leadership style. Friends, we have leaders over the nations right now. They are there to Uh, Sometimes they're there to bring righteousness in to people that want it. And sometimes when the people don't want it, like in our case in the world right now, nobody wants the righteousness of God. Sometimes these bad leaders come in to exercise God's judgment against the people for turning away. Deep subject, isn't it? Now, some application for us to take from this story is how the Lord played out a brilliant strategy in taking out the Baal worshipers from all over Israel. He got those 70 sons of Ahab that would have taken Jehu years to do on his own. Remember, he had that strategy. He wrote them the letters, and they brought their heads. They all brought their heads back in a day because they didn't want to dare fight Jehu. So he got all these guys out of there in a day. would have taken him a long time to do on his own. Friends, we have a lot of sin in our lives, and we have been headed for the lake of fire because of it. But that would have taken us an eternity to pay for it ourselves. But friends, Jesus got rid of all of our sin in just one day. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. This means that Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. Let's get that down. He suffered once 
just once for all time, for all eternity. Jehu would have never been able to get rid of all 70 of Ahab's sons, but the Lord made a brilliant way to get rid of them all at one time. We would have never been able to get rid of all of our sin, but the Lord had a brilliant way to get rid of it all at one time by burying it in the grave through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So friends, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, and if you have submitted your life to him as Lord and gave it to him, give your life to the Lord God, then you are saved. But don't become so overzealous like Jehu did. Again, zeal. What is zeal? The zealousness. Zeal is a focus. It's a determination. It's dedication. Having zeal for the Lord can be good, but it can easily get misplaced into becoming a bad thing. Jehu had zeal for the Lord, but he went too far by killing off more than just Ahab's line. If you remember, King Saul did the same thing. He went overboard killing off way too many people when he he just went kind of crazy with it. The Apostle Paul, he had a misguided zeal for the Lord back when he killed Christians, back when he actually thought that what he was doing was service to the Lord. That was before the Lord got a hold of him, though. Paul thought it was zeal to the Lord, but it was actually very sinful. Galatians 4.18, it is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good. I've encountered overzealous people before. They want to argue and fight over theology. They say, well, they're saved in the Lord God, but they want to fight about the Bible. And they think they're doing it for the Lord, when in fact, it does nothing but cause damage. Guys, we got to be better than this. we got to show love. It's okay to debate, but the argumentative, angered stuff, that, that's, that's just way too overboard, guys. Here's what all believers need to remember to have along with their zeal. 1 Corinthians 13.2 And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Friends, it's okay to be on fire for Jesus as long as you don't go around burning people with it. We have to remember that Jesus said the way that people are going to know that we are his is how we love one another. Today, there's way too many Christians, supposed Christians, I guess, that are out there angry, and it's like they're mad at all those stupid sinners out there, (laughs) and they're denouncing them painfully and sharply for being sinful when we all have been. I've even had people pray for me over a pain or a sickness that I had, and after praying for me, if I still had the problem immediately after their prayer, then they would say there was something wrong with my faith or I would have been immediately healed. That's not loving at all. That's a little bit overzealous. Never mind that Paul prayed for the thorn to be taken away from his side and God wouldn't remove it. If you went by those people's kind of theology, they would you could say, well, Paul, you prayed for that thorn to be removed. God didn't take it. So, Paul, there must be something wrong with your faith. But those who drive themselves way too overzealous, they end up hurting a lot of people because they forget to do it with the love of Christ. Always have the love of Christ in your words when you're talking to people. Don't be angry at people for being sinners and slap them down and smack the Bible over their head, as people call it. Don't go Jehu on people, is what I'm saying. Those that do this, typically, they end up having some kind of figurative golden calf in their own life, some kind of deep sin 
that have caused them to miss the point of what God has called them to do. They end up taking their words, their ministry words, and they go out and they think they're doing a service to the Lord God, but they're actually using Scripture to beat people up with it rather than to call them to repentance and see them built back up again. Don't go Jehu on people. Show them the love of Jesus Christ. Now, Christians can and they must take a stand against sin, but even then, our dealings with how we talk to other people, it should always be marked by love. The love of Christ should be marked by grace, mercy, and always have humility in what you say. Don't talk down on people for being sinful when you have sinned yourself. Tell them, look, friend, I gave my life to Jesus, and he has blessed me. Remember that. But also remember how Jehu killed off a lot of Ahab's old officials that were experienced leaders that Jehu could have used them to become a much better leader with them. Jehu's sin stole away a lot of the potential opportunities that he could have had. Now, if you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit and you've been saved, you gave your life to Jesus, okay, then God has enabled you for good service. But don't abuse it. Don't abuse that authority that God gave you. Don't abuse that leadership that God has enabled you with. Friends, any sin that you continue to play with will become your own kill box. It will become your end. Your sin that you play with, it can draw you into your end. Don't let that happen to you. Jesus died for our sin, so let's repent and get away from it. Don't go back to your figurative Baal worship. Don't allow a figurative golden calf to come into your life. Give it all to Jesus Christ. So consider much how like the heads of Ahab's sons were put at the city gate for all to see. That was done so that it would be known that Baal worship was judged and done away with, that it is put away with and gone. Friends, I want you to know that likewise, the Lord Jesus was crucified up high on a hill. He was crucified in public. They didn't make it a private matter. They did it out for everybody to see where high traffic was, just like the heads that were piled up at the gate. Jesus was crucified in public where as many people as possible could see. And the reason that Jesus was crucified up high on that hill was so that everyone could see him and understand that the sins of the world had been put down and done away with. Friends, if you want to be saved and give your life to Jesus, here's how you do it. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I messed up and I'm sorry. I give you my life, Lord. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for dying and getting all done in one day what it would have taken me an eternity to pay for myself. Lord, I realize now I would have never gotten out of the lake of fire. Thank you for coming to get me. You didn't have to. I give you my life. And Lord, I'll get all those Baal worship, all that false idols and all those things. Lord, I've worshipped money. Lord, I've worshipped too many things, drugs, alcohol, you name it. Whatever you put above God, Lord, I've put this above you. And I'm sorry. I give you my life. And I put those old things away. I tear down that old temple that I used to believe in. And now I give myself to you. Thank you for coming to get me. I'm now yours. I belong to you. Help me keep right about my zealousness and not to go too far that I do what you tell me. I will obey you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.